You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. Let's all stand up as we worship and we celebrate Jesus this morning.
so this is going to be a new one that we're singing. Just all celebrating that Jesus went to the cross for us and the freedom and the life that we have because of it. I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate without your love. Slave to the darkness if it were. Oh 
for a minute. That's a good song. I want to remind you though, well actually, let me say this before I say remind. Some of you, maybe this is your first time ever in church or first time in a long time. And so I'll just tell you, I've, I've grown up in the church. It is not an unfamiliar experience to me. And yet there are still, if I'm honest, there are moments that the excitement in a room like that, people's hands up, people leaning in, like even me, I'll look around sometimes and I'm like, what is happening? It's just, it's, it's a little bit different experience than we're used to. That's not gonna happen tomorrow when you go into the office. You know, nobody throwing their hands up and singing out loud and celebrating unless the office gets closed and you go home early. And so you, you can sit in a moment like that sometimes and just be a little confused. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not sure what that's about. Here's what it is about, especially on songs like that, is that it's not a song for many of us. That's not a song. That was a very real experience. That there's a moment in life that we became aware of the fact that we were prisoners. But by the blood and the cross of Jesus, we've been set free. There was a moment that for many of us, we walked into a very real experience of an awareness that there is a God. His name is Jesus. And he is absolutely wild about every one of us. And it changed everything. It really did do what we sang. It loosed our chains. We went from prisoner to free. One of the natural expressions of that for us as followers of Jesus is actually something we have coming up in a couple of weeks. So I think it's, it, that song is just such a natural transition into this. On the 2nd of May, we're gonna be doing baptism service. And here's one of the things, if that's not exciting enough about what it is that's exciting for me, is that for the first time in a long time, we're gonna be back in here doing them live in the building on Sunday morning. So I want you to know, yeah, that's worth celebrating. If you've not made the decision in your own journey with Jesus to get baptized yet, to have that public moment of saying, I am in, I'm all in because he went all in for me. Like this is your Sunday to do it, to get signed up for it. And here's what I also know. For some of us, that's a really intimidating thing. You're like, I'm not excited about it being in person and on stage, I gotta be in front of everybody. I think back to the, the empire in which Jesus was, was alive and moving and breathing and, and we saw all the baptisms that began to take place then. I, and I don't ever wanna forget that the men and women that took those steps did so in the face of unbelievable odds. Where when you took a step out to say, I'm in with Jesus, that meant that you could literally be drugged from your home. You could lose your reputation, lose your job, lose your life. And so I would never downplay the maybe intimidation of even getting up on stage in front of all these people, but I'll just tell you, standing up here every week, you guys are nice and friendly, so it's easy to do. Y'all are warm, smiling people. So, but I would also say this, don't miss the opportunity to stand in front of people who love you, who don't even know you yet, but because we're a part of the family of God, we'll celebrate with you the truth of that song, that you were a prisoner, but now you're set free because of the cross of Jesus. So if you want maybe more information about baptism or you're like, I'm in, how do I sign up? All of that can happen online. Go online to kensingtonchurch.org and you can follow all the prompts there to get signed up or even get more information, have somebody get in contact with you. So please 
do that if you haven't yet. Um, next thing to let you know, a couple things before we move into the rest of the morning. Uh, our K-Kids team, I just want to celebrate them for a minute and all that they have been doing. Because since we have started coming back to in-person services, I don't know if you know this, but at the beginning of that, we had about 20 kids back in our K-Kids department. We're over 100 kids every single week between the two services now. And on the weeks that I get to go back there and just be a part of it and kind of wander around and watch, I just got to tell you, it is an un believable amount of people and team of people that are back there serving our kids, that are back there coming alongside us as parents, trying to support what we're already doing to love our kids, to lead our kids to love Jesus and in the love of Christ. And they're coming alongside and helping us. They're not just taking care of them for us for the hour that we're in here. There, there are literally, there are pivotal moments that are taking place in there where whole futures are being shaped. I have shared before that my entire future was shaped in a room just like that with a woman named Mrs. Jessie when I was five years old. And for all the things I didn't understand at five, I know this looking back now, her investment in me and her love of me along with what my parents were doing in my life, it changed everything. It was a pivotal moment for me. So I don't wanna just celebrate that, I also wanna invite you to be a part of it because as that continues to grow, there are increasing opportunities for you to jump in and be one of those people making a difference in our kids' lives. So. Again, if you're interested in that, if you're like, hey, I'd love to explore it, I'd love to be involved, if you go directly out the doors, just keep walking straight back, you run into our K-Kids checking counter, and there's a team of people there that love to answer your questions and even help you navigate what it looks like to, to be involved in that. Uh, next thing, we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna just collect up our offering this morning. And as usual, I just wanna remind all of us that when we do this, there's two things at the forefront of my mind when I give. One is trust. This is a moment for me and my wife, my kids, and we do this. We talk about this in our home and in our family where we're saying, Jesus, we really do believe that what we have is from you and we're trusting some of it back because it's not always easy because there's a lot of other things I could do with it. And there are moments that we just choose. I trust you and I believe in you and I wanna trust this back to you. Second thing that is at the forefront of my mind is mission. I'm trusting it back to you because I really do believe that God uses that, multiplies it. Like that story in the Bible, if you're familiar with it, the fish and the loaves, Jesus prays and it multiplies and feeds hundreds. Like God does something unbelievable with the little we trust to reach multitudes of people in very real tangible ways in our city, in our country, and honestly around the globe through our efforts. So if you're a part of that, I wanna say thank you. If you've never been a part of that, we'd love to have you join us. Here's how, a couple ways on the screen. You can text, you can go through the website. Uh, it's super easy ways. We don't pass anything, probably for obvious reasons with COVID. But if you would like to do something tangible for us, then you can do that as you walk out the doors and the buckets when you leave this morning. So again, trust, mission, and thank you. Last thing I get to do this morning, and this is honestly one of my most exciting parts of today, I've gotten to do it twice now, is to introduce our speakers this morning that are gonna be up there on stage. Some of you are aware of this, maybe some of you will learn this for the first time, but this morning we have Dave and Ann Wilson with us here who are gonna spend the rest of the morning diving into some of the content of a book they recently uh, wrote, as well as kind of leading us into the second week of the series. And you guys can go ahead and come on up. I just wanna say it is such an honor, has been to be here in this place that the two of you have poured your lives into for so many years. and to be on the stage to say welcome back and to sit under you this morning. So the stage is yours again. Thanks, man. All right. Um, and I would just say, uh, first of all, we are so grateful for Craig's leadership as we pass this uh, campus on to him. 
What a phenomenal job. Yeah, and you know, our, parent, our, our, our book on parenting is about teenagers as well, and he's the parent of teenagers, so it's sort of fun to uh, be back here again. Some of you have no idea who we are. You're like, who are these guys? They're just old people. Um, <laughs> we actually started this campus, what, 18 years ago, so, and spent 30 years at Kensington as we started in 1990. Uh, our last days at Kensington were, for me, my last sermon was Christmas Eve. Uh, actually thought I was going to do the 11 p.m. Christmas Eve service, only to find out at 5 p.m. as I'm driving home, I call in and say, hey, got one more to do. She's like, I'm in the hospital. Uh, I think I have a kidney stone. And so I got out of the 11 p.m. because my wife is in the hospital. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's was, sort of fun. It was kind of crazy. This Easter was the first Easter in 30 years that Dave was home with us. So it was crazy that he was... Yeah, it's funny. My brother, who older brother lives in uh, New Jersey area, texted me before Easter and said, hey, my church asked me to speak at Easter. Do you have an Easter sermon? I go, I got 30 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they all say the same thing. He rose from the dead. So anyway, uh, but yeah, we actually were sitting in Parker, Colorado on Easter Sunday morning with our middle son, Austin and Kendall, and four grandkids watching uh, sitting at a church outside doing Easter. It was one of the greatest things. I didn't know that there are weekends. <laughs> weekends are awesome. I never knew when I was a pastor that people actually did things on weekends besides get ready for church and do church. So it's sort of loving, loving our life right now. People think we retired. We retired. We put new tires on the vehicle and we are going a whole nother thing. We are 100 miles an hour. We literally landed at midnight on Friday night from Orlando, where we do our radio and podcast called Family Life Today. By the way, if you're not listening to that, I encourage you to just download the Apple podcast, Family Life Today. It's a daily show where we interview marriage and family experts and authors, and they're incredible people. And parenting, family, all yeah, of it. We hit you, everything. You name it. So we came back from there, and tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., we're on a flight to go back and do another week of radio. It's been just a, a crazy week. And uh, some of you know, Monday morning, we ended up on the Today Show in New York, but we weren't in New York. We were in our house on Zoom, which is the worst way to do the Today Show because uh, this book came out. So if you want this, you can grab us afterwards. They told us this morning or this week that nobody will buy a book during COVID at Kensington, and we sold out the first service. So uh, we went well, and got some more for you. So we'd love to... Uh, we'd love to uh, get this signed for you and give it to you. In fact, we're going to give one away right now to who, the, the who parent who has, has the most kids. The most kids, and that can include a blended family too. Who has like... More than five. Five kids or more. Five Just or more. put your hand up and yell out. Oh, several. Okay, how many? Five. Anybody higher than that? Seven? Seven? Anyone more with seven? Oh no, we're going to have to give away three books. <laughs> That's fine. We'll put it right here. You guys can sprint up here and fight for it. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we'll give one to all you guys. You just, know, just come out to the go table. Go to the table and we'll give you those books yeah. after the service. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're going to take some time. This is on video at the other campuses, but you're getting a, a, a different edition at Orion because this is our campus. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen, what's going to go. But well, all we're going to do is sort of, sort of do an overview of sort of parenting. And I know some of you uh, aren't parents yet or at least you don't know that you're gonna be a parent. Maybe you got pregnant last night, who knows? Um, other, <laughs> other of you are parents and you got little kids, some of you have teenagers, some of you have parents or kids like ours that are grown and, and even gone. if you're single or you, um, you have kids that are gone, 
you're an influencer of kids. You're around kids. You're, you probably have relatives that have kids. So I really hope you'll listen in because I think what we're going to talk about applies to all of us. You want to pray? Yeah. Father, um, we don't want to do anything apart from you. And so we come to you asking just for, um, for you to pour your wisdom into us. Your spirit, Lord, guide us by your spirit. I pray that you would give something to each one of us because every day you want to speak to us. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this parenting thing can sneak up on you. <laughs> you know, you don't even know. It's, it, it, well, next thing you know, you're a parent. Let me ask you this. Have any of you had expectations of what you would be like as a parent? Or you think, I will never do that. I bet almost all or of you Or you thought, think, my kids will never be like those kids. Yes. We've all done that. So um, when I got pregnant, we were in seminary in California. and I, This is 35 years ago. Yeah, and I was like, I need to prepare myself. And so I heard about this Bible study down the street on parenting, and it's all young moms. So I got all dressed up, and I'm like, okay, I can't wait. I'm going to learn how to be a mom. And I walk into this door, and it was like World War II was going on. <laughs> I mean, they're screaming and crying. It stinks. It smells like poop. It's, I look at this one girl. Her shirt's all wrinkled. She's got spit up running down her shoulder, and she has a Cheerio stuck in her ponytail in the back. And here's what I thought. I thought, come on, women. Pull yourselves together. You know that judgmental part? Like, I, and I thought, I will never become one of these moms. Moms, do we become every one of those moms? Yes, and you don't even care when you're in it because you're like, oh, this is it, man. I'm in the battlefield and I'm a mom and I'm grinding. And it's the most exhilarating thing I think I've ever experienced. And you would say that too as being a parent. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's also the hardest, the hardest thing, thing we've ever experienced. Yeah, I ever do. And you know, I, I don't know if we even put this in a book. I don't remember, but uh, our first our son CJ was born. We were at uh, actually we were in and um, uh, where were we? What's the hospital? Oh. East Side Romeo oh, Planks, where we lived was. at the time. And um, I mean, I'm walking behind Ann, and I th she thinks she's with a nurse. You know, we're brand new parents, and I look down, and I'm like, something is dragging off Ann's heel. This was at Crittenden. This yeah. is another thing. Yeah. So I look down there, and it's her underwear. <laughs> she's walking around the hospital. Her panties are. I'm like. What just happened to us? <laughs> we are parents, and we don't even care. <laughs> that was the crazy thing, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. That's awful. And so here's the thing. You know, you get home, and again, for us, it was 35 years ago, and now we have six grandkids. In fact, here's a picture of our life now, and if you've been at Orion, you've seen this picture, but this is sort of the stage we're at now with uh, our grandkids, and obviously, the smiley face is one of our grandkids is not a fully He's, adopted they're yet. They're fostering him, and he, hopefully soon he'll be adopted with his biological brother, who is on my far left, um, that's Holden. And then that's Cody and Jenna's son, Bryce, is in the middle of my lap right there. And their daughter, who's almost four months, um, Autumn, isn't in that picture. But being grandparents is pretty remarkable. <laughs> it's we awesome. love it. Yeah. So here's the thing. So you come home uh, with our firstborn, CJ. And I remember standing over his crib. And many of you know my story. I had no dad. I really didn't know what a dad did or... You know, I just was like a brand new dad. I'm looking at his crib. And I literally am thinking, so where's the instruction manual for this? <laughs> I mean, I remember having that thought, like, I don't know what to do. I never saw a dad. I didn't know how dad acts. Uh, is there an instruction manual? And here's the good news. There is. And it's not called No Perfect Parents. <laughs> that's just a book. There is a real book that's all about family and parenting. You know what it is? It's called the Bible. Mm. 
It's really amazing. I, I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I grew up being dragged to church, so I didn't believe the Bible was even reliable or had anything in there that related to real life. I just thought it was an ancient book that was sort of weird. And then I become a follower of Christ in college and start reading the Bible and find out, oh my goodness, there's so much practical help and hope in the Bible that literally leads us on how to do marriage, how to do family. And by the way, I'm not saying copy the families in the Bible. Because some of you have read your Bible and are like, dude, the families in there are like messed jacked up. up. Yeah, they are. And they're really messed up, which is one of the reasons I love the Bible. They don't hide anything. It's all there. But the truth and how to do family well is all throughout the Bible. That's why Vertical Marriage, our book, was based on that. And our, and our parenting book is based on the Word of God. And so it's really interesting. A verse that jumps out, it's really what our book was written from, is this verse in Psalm 127, where the psalmist writes this. He said, behold... Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes as parents, we need to be reminded this son or daughter, she or he is a gift. And also, I mean, this, this poor mom right there has to walk out <laughs> with a baby that's crying. We love you. And that's life, <laughs> right? And that baby is a gift from God and a reward from and God. And I would say no matter how that baby was conceived, you know, if it's out of wedlock, whatever, it's still a gift. Like that child was made in God's image and there's no accident. They're a gift. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So the Bible uses this interesting analogy that children are like arrows. And if you've seen the cover of our book, it has a picture of arrows missing a target. <laughs> the reason is, uh, you know, and I'm not an archer. You know, many of you know that the transition here at Orion went from a guy who talked about football stories to a guy that talks about hunting stories. Am I right? Yeah, Craig uses a lot more hunting stories because he hunts. And he kills things. I think it's gross. But anyway, that's what he does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so he knows more about shooting a bow and arrow than I ever would. But I at least know this, and we all know this. An arrow is aimed at a target, whether it's an animal or a bullseye or something. It's aimed at something. And what the psalmist is telling us is children are not just to be raised aimlessly, but they are raised with a mission in mind, a bullseye, a target in mind. And, and, you know, a subtitle of our book is The Secret That Will Change Your Parenting. You know what the secret is? And it's really a two-part secret. Number one is Jesus. God really does make a difference in parenting, just like he does in marriage. That's why we call it a vertical marriage, is because when you go vertical, it changes your marriage. When you go vertical with parenting, it changes your parenting. We were going to call the book Vertical Parenting, and our publisher changed it to No Perfect Parents because when they read it, they said, all you do is talk about all your mistakes. <laughs> so we're going to call it that. And uh, so, But here's the thing. When you're, when you're raising a child, most parents never ask the, the key question. You know what it is? What are we trying to raise? What's our goal? What is our goal? Like when this little boy or little girl is now a man or woman, an adult person, who are they? And here's, what, are, what are they like? What's their character? And here's the truth. Like if you've heard it, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. Well, here, here's the truth is, if we don't have a plan, what will happen is we will just fall into the world or our culture's plan. And the culture and the world will influence how our kids turn out. And I mean, when our kids are bombarded with social media and they're telling, this is who, they're saying, this is who you are, this is who you should be. I don't know about you, but I never wanted that. I wanted our kids to know who they were, who God said they were. And we wanted to shoot the target of what God's saying, no, this is what you should aim for. Like, go for me and, sh and show, t 
take your kids to that point. Yeah, and so essentially, we as parents get influenced by the culture as well. Oh, and yeah. And so if you'd walk up to most parents, and by the way, we've done this, and say, okay, so you're raising a four-year-old. Which, what do you hope she or he will be as an adult? They just go, uh... You can tell they haven't really thought this through. But we all say, we would all say happy. Yeah, happy, successful. Sometimes they say popular. And then here's the thing. You got to step back and go, okay, define those terms. What's success? And, and is that and really a target you want? And again, they're good things, but are they the best? And so what we decided to do, even as young parents, and, uh, and our kids didn't even know this, is we decided to write sort of a bullseye or a mission statement for what we're trying to raise. And by the way, our kids never knew this. Yeah, we were on the radio when our co-host <laughs> says, do your kids know your mission statement? Like last year, yeah. And I think you were like, yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, I think they'd know our mission statement even though, and so he goes, let's call one. <laughs> so he gets a hold of Cody. He goes, hey, Cody, your parents have been talking about this mission statement. Can you tell us what it is? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. It doesn't matter if they know, but it does matter if, if you, know. you know. And I also know this. You may disagree. I mean, we talk about that in the book as well. Sometimes you disagree as parents about it. But it's like, and I, and I encourage you, a homework assignment would be two things. Number one, sit down and talk this through. Because we decided the Bible's clear that it isn't about attributes you're looking for. What kind of character? Yeah. Do you want your kids to become as adults? Do you want them to have integrity? Do you want them to be hard workers? Do you want them to be people that people can trust? Do you want them to be pure? What kind of character qualities? Because once you know what that bullseye is, you can step back and decide, okay, what's the strategy to actually hit that target? Here's the other homework and assignment I would give you. Join us tonight at 8.30. Hmm. We're going to do a Zoom uh, Kensington Faith and Family Night that you need to sign up for, and we're just going to answer questions for an hour. And again, we don't have all the answers, but we'll do our best to let you ask what you want us to talk about on that tonight at 8.30, and you have to sign up to do that. You can do it right now. But here's the thing. We decided today, and we're not, no way we can cover this in, in the 28 minutes we have left, uh, in which we will go over. Is that okay? We're going to go over a few minutes. <laughs> we can't cover this in the amount of time we have, but here's what we're going to do. There's four stages that we talk about of parenting in our book, and some of us are in different stages. And those four stages can be talked about in our mission statement or our bullseye. So we're going to give you the Wilson bullseye that we worked from for the last 35 years. We're not telling you this should be your bullseye. Right. It should be unique to who you are as a parent and who your kids are. You have an identity. They have identity. You need to know the mission that's related to your, the identity of your family. So make it your own. But we thought we'd give you your ours so that you get an idea. Oh, so it sort of looks like this. And we can also walk you through sort of the stages through this mission statement. And if I were you, if you're a single parent, I would get together with maybe a couple other friends that are either married or single, but kind of hash that through. It's always good to dialogue with someone else about it. So here it is. Here's ours. The Wilson Bullseye was train and launch L3 warriors to make a dent where they're sent. Now, here's the thing. You're looking at it going, what? That makes no sense. And that's how a mission statement should be. It doesn't always make sense to other people, but it does to you. And here's what I'll do in the next, we're going to do this in the next few minutes. We're going to walk you through each word. Because every word was chosen specifically to mean something. And again, it relates to the different stages. And some of you, like looking at L3, you've been around Kensington 30 years. You know what L3 is. Others are like, what is L3? I'll show you in a minute. So here's the first word, train. Train is really an important word because the first two stages of parenting, we call it in the book, zero to five is the discipline stage. 
which if you've got zero to five in your home right now, you're just pulling your hair out because it's discipline, discipline, discipline. There's poop, there's pee everywhere. It's awesome. You're not sleeping at night. I just don't get this. I don't know why I keep talking about thing. poop and pee thing. But that's all I remember. <laughs> and now we got grandkids with diapers running around. There's poop everywhere. It's just those, you know. It's not poop everywhere. Anyway, you got to discipline and say no and put up barriers. And we talk about that in the book. But there's a lot of training that goes on in the first 12 years. So we just start talking about training. Here's the thing. Whose responsibility is it to train our kids? Well, I'll show you. The Bible actually says in Deuteronomy, or excuse me, in Ephesians 6, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. By the way, a whole nother sermon right there. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I, I just want to stop and, and just talk to the dads. Yeah, it says fathers. It does mean fathers and mothers, but it specifically says dads. It says fathers. And I think for us as women, as wives, as moms, we're longing for the dads to step in. Like, I will say that Dave had, I would always encourage him, like, oh my gosh, you have so much power. Like, you have so much power. And I so often felt like Dave would give his best at work, and then he'd come home and be like, oh, my job's done. And he'd, he would be more... Go, go, I've got to, I got to say this. <laughs> Second service, we could take more time. Am I right? <laughs> Some of you remember the story. I won't go into the details. But literally, one Sunday night, she said to me as we were falling asleep. You remember this in vertical marriage? She said, I wish the guy that preached and led our church lived in this house. <laughs> That's what she said. It was 11 o'clock at night. I had just preached four sermons. I had just been on the lion's sideline, did chapel for the lions, came home. I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep. And she basically says, I want the guy who leads Kensington to lead here. And I'm like, it, okay. what are you saying? And she's like, well, you pray with passion there. You lead with vision and you don't do any of that here. And I responded really well. Do you remember? I remember saying something like, you got the best husband in the planet. You don't realize how good you got it. I'm an amazing man. I mean, I was just an idiot in the moment. But, but you <laughs> were I saying did, that. I didn't have the best timing. But I was... No, you didn't. <laughs> and you didn't say it real well. No, either. I didn't say it nicely either. But, but I'm telling you guys, like, if you're married, your wife is longing for your help. Yeah. We don't want to be the one that's always, like, going spiritual, too. You know, hey, let's go to church. You feel like you're dragging everyone. And we feel like that sometimes as moms. I think one of the sins, I'd say, of men is passivity. I could get into that. Many of you know the four pillars of manhood. And the first one is reject passivity. And we can tend to be as men passive. And we let them do it. Hmm. Or we let the church do it. Or the Christian school do it. And we don't step up. And we just sort of... And you guys, on the you have so much power. Yeah, like when she said, I have power, she didn't mean here at Kensington. She I'm meant in home. our home, you have an influence that's just unique to your role as a father in these boys' lives. And I think it's really easy for us to, to sit on the, the sidelines. I, I got a text this morning from Paul, who's sitting over there in the front row. He's the biggest Detroit Lions fan I've ever met <laughs> in my life. He's been on many stadiums across the country where he'll yell at me in the sideline. Anyway, Paul texted me this picture this morning. This is classic, And I actually Paul. sent it to Alicia and said, I don't know if I'll use this or not, but I might use it. You guys, look at this picture. Look at this picture. <laughs> Paul, where'd you get that? Found it. Just found it online? Yeah. Oh, great. You thought of me. <laughs> but I mean, look at that picture. It's funny. But I thought, oh my goodness, that's so many men right there. We're on our phone. We're doing work or whatever. And we think it's the mom's job. To be well, the parent. he knows that he'll, the baby will be content with the mom, <laughs> so he has her picture. Yeah, so you can take that down because that's not a good image. But anyway, 
I do remember, and again, I don't even know if we put it in the book or not, but I do remember um, when we had three little boys and we were over at Rochester Park, right by the pond or, or near the water with the jungle gym right off of Ludlow there by Dillman and Upton. And I'll never forget this moment where I'm sitting on the bench, Anne's on the jungle gym with our three little boys, like five years old and younger. And I remember literally sitting there going, oh, this is amazing. I'm a dad. Those are my kids. I never had a dad. I never experienced, I'm a, this is awesome. And I'm just sitting there enjoying the moment. And I'm, I'm on the playground with the kids. I'm on the jungle gym and I'm looking over thinking, what's he doing? And so I go over to him and I said, what are you doing? And he had that like, this is amazing. All the dads were all lined up watching. Actually, I'll be honest. She didn't come over and say, what are you doing? (laughs) If you know Ann Wilson at all, she can get feisty at times. And she had this little, like this. She came over like this. And she sits down right behind. She goes, what are you doing? I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. And I go, I go, man, I'm just enjoying this dad moment. She goes, look at the other dads. You want to be one of those dads? And for the first time, I saw that we were all watching. And she goes, you want to be that dad or you want to get on the jungle gym with your kids? And she left. And that was it. And she goes back. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I think God just spoke to me. That's right, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. No, I, I mean, why is, that, why is that memory so strong in my mind? Because that day, that moment, 30, at least I, 30 plus years ago, oh I said, I'm not going to be this dad. And you didn't. Like, I'm going to be on the jungle gym. I'm going to be in the front yard. I'm going to be in the backyard. I'm going to be in the bedroom with the Bible in my hand. I'm going to be praying for my kids. I'm going to be leading with them. I'm going to do life with them. I'm going to engage. I'm not going to be that dad with a picture of his wife or his her mom. I'm going to be sticking engaged in this thing. And it was all from that moment. It's so funny because we would play. We'd go outside and play basketball and football. We'd play Whip capture ball. the flag. And the neighbor kids started coming over every day. They would knock on our door and they were like, hey, can Mr. Wilson come out and play? <laughs> but it was awesome because there were no other parents out there. Yeah. And Dave really did step into and so, that. So the amazing thing about this passage, though, is all we just said is really important, but what does he say? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up what? In the training and instruction of what? Very specific. The Lord. Hmm. So he's saying this. We need to be engaged, and that's what we just said. But he's also saying, moms and dads, you need to be training them. That's the word, train and launch. Training them in ways of God, in the faith. And here's the thing. That makes it very clear. Whose responsibility is the training of your kids spiritually? It's not Kensington's. It's not Kensington kids. It's not our Kensington amazing middle school and high school ministry, which is amazing. That is a partnership with you. It isn't a Christian school. It isn't a Christian college. All those things are wonderful. There's, they're great gifts from God. But our responsibility as Christian parents is it's our job. Mom and dad. Mom or dad. My mom was a single mom, single dad. It's our job to train them. And so the question then becomes, some of you are going, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And I tell you what. Our whole book is based on this passage. Yeah, I love, this is my favorite scripture in parenting. Because it tells you how. Yeah, now, and the Hebrew culture was so different. We, we learn in a Greek culture where someone speaks and you listen. But in the Hebrew culture, they were always learning. They anticipate, That's why Jesus told so many stories, like he was going along a field and he would talk about a field. So it's very hands-on in their culture. So as you read this, think about how they would teach their kids. It says this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 
with all of your soul and with all of your strength. That was the, called the Shema. And so all of the Jewish people would, would say this. They memorized it. Together, and they would say it every day. And then it was, he says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Like first they're to be on your hearts. And then what do you do? Impress them on your children. What else? Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Do you see the practicality of it? It's not take them to church on Sunday. It's like, first of all, they're on your heart. So begin impressing them on your kids. How do we do that? We talk about it all the time. And we started doing that because your walk with God isn't something that is taught as much as caught. Your kids are watching you. They're seeing and they're watching like, is it real? Like, are my parents, are they living out the things they're I mean, talking about? I mean, about? the thing is that you really got to look at as a parent when you look at this passage. And by the way, as Ann said, this was something a Jewish family memorized and stated. It was like, this is our DNA. Yeah. This is who the Wilsons are. This is what we're about. This was, I mean, today it's a flippant thing. No, no, this was core. That's why it's called the, the Shema. And think about it, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in life? Of all the commandments, he quotes this. I don't know if you know that. He quotes Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. And, and because it says, love the Lord your God with everything you got, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's really interesting. He says to parents, if you're going to pass this on to your kids, where does it start? With you. He says it has to be on your hearts. And you know this, but let me remind you, you cannot give away as a parent what you don't first possess. You can say anything you want about God, but if you're not living it, good luck. The percentages go very low of kids. Now think about this. This is crazy. Think about it. And there's studies that back this up. If you get your kids in Kensington Kids and they stay in it their whole youth and then they get in our great youth group, guess what will happen to many church youth group kids once they hit college and beyond? You know the stats, right? Majority of them walk away from the faith. And so there have been studies like, well, what about the kids that don't walk away? What's different? And you know, a lot of people think, oh, they went to a bigger mega church and they had a better youth group with a cooler youth pastor <laughs> who had skinny jeans if they were cool then or baggy <laughs> jeans if they were cool then with a rock band. No, no, no. Has nothing to do with that. It doesn't have anything to do really with the church. You know what it has to do with it? Are you ready for this? Parents, you better listen. The kids that don't walk one in the faith tend to go from a great youth group and they go home and they see the same thing in their home that they're hearing at church. There's the same thing. They see it modeled in their home what they're seeing at church. The kids that go to church and they hear one thing and they come home and it's a whole different deal, they don't it doesn't tend to stick. So think about how important that is for us as parents. And again, you can't fake this. Kids, do you realize they're fake sniffers? They sniff out fake <laughs> Especially as 24 7. They'll oh. roll their eyes like, whatever, mom. And they'll you call you out yes, as do. a teenager. And good for them. They should if we're not living it. Again, we can't live it perfectly. That's why we call it no perfect parents. But here's the thing if it ain't in you, it's probably not going to get in them. So it starts. I, I mean, if anything, if I'm a parent today, I hope the only thing you hear is I better start walking with God. Yeah. And he's our hope as parents. I can't tell you how often we get on our knees like, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, you need to help me. I don't know what I'm doing. And he gives us wisdom. It says in James 1, he gives us wisdom. And I know when our kids were little, and here, here's the truth. If you have really little kids that are under five, you don't even have time to read your Bible, go to the bathroom by yourself. Like, you have no time. We spent the last 10 days with grandkids. It's like, how do you even I live? For, and it's awesome, but they're just... Yeah. yeah, and so you just learn to talk to God out loud all the time, wherever you are. 
Like in the car, we're praying. In, at dinner, we're talking about God. And here's what I started doing. I started thinking, and this is if you're kids or you don't have kids. I started thinking, has God given me something today? Have I been with him enough that he's given me something that I can give away? Because God's talking to us every day. He wants to speak through his word, through people, through his spirit. So it's like he wants, he's every day, he's like, oh, I have something for you. <gasps> Hi, I didn't see you guys right there. You sit right there. Hi. Anyway, so um, <laughs> that's my, my great niece. Um, every day he has something to give to, for you to have, and he wants you to give it to your kids. That was a good way for me to say, have I been with God enough that I've heard his voice to give it away? Yeah, it's really interesting. As you look at that passage, and again, we don't have time to develop at all, but he just says, as you, as you lie down. So bedtime is critical. Mm-hmm. Critical. I remember when the kids were little, laying in bed with them at night and going through the devos and devotionals and listening to worship music and talking about God. And just asking Answering them, questions. How are you doing? Yeah, so bedtime, when you, when you talk, sit, uh, dinner table. We decided the dinner table is really important for our family. And we live in a culture where people don't even sit down as a family and eat. Just crazy. We had three boys. They're all in sports. Sometimes I, I was coaching for 10 12 years at Rochester Adams High School football, and we didn't get home till 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and Ann waited, and we sat down as a family almost every night. And it's just those are critical moments, and right there it is in the thing. When you sit, when you lie down, when you get up, driving time, all those things. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times I watched Ann pray out loud as we're driving when the boys were 5 and when they were 15. They just, they saw a model what a relationship with God looks like, like it's organic and you struggle and you, you doubt and you question and you, you pray for parking spots. I remember one time she prayed for a parking spot. I'm like, seriously, you're praying for a parking spot. He like would God say that out loud. cares about a parking spot. Jesus gave me a parking spot. Right? I'm like, okay. But anyway, it was just, we didn't realize we were modeling for them, you know, what it looks like. And so the only other thing I would say about this training stage is you have this window. In the book, we call it zero to 12. The discipline stage, zero to five, five to 12, the training stage. And that window is closing as they approach Quickly. their teenage years. Quickly. And you have this window to create your home to be what you want your home to be. I think this is really big because I think what we do in our culture, especially now, and I did it back when I was a young mom, is I was comparing myself to all the other moms, thinking they're doing such a better job than I'm doing. And I used to think like our kids would be so much better off with Steve Andrews, with Paula, or the Nelsons, with Callie. They're like, they're doing so much better than I am. And that's an easy temptation to think. And I love that Callie Nelson said to me, I don't have that thought. I'm like, what? She goes, I know that God made me the way I am, and he knew every child that would live under my roof, whether they're biological or not, and I have in me what my kids need. And she said it so confidently, I started thinking like, Lord, that's true. Like, I may not be the best mom, but I'm the mom that my kids need, and you place them under my roof, so I have something to give them. So my next question was, Lord, who am I? Like, how have you created me? What is my identity? Because I want to pass that on to my kids, not only the spiritual part, but just like, what do I want to create in my home? Because all of us, can I just say, we need to create havens in our homes. Our culture is crazy. The world outside our homes is a mess. And I want our kids to walk in the door and feel like they're known. They're seen. They're seen, they're heard, and they're celebrated. Like, I see you. And I celebrate who you are. Look at you. And I can't wait to see what God has for you because it's something great when you discover it. So for you as a parent, who are you? 
What yeah. has God put in you to pass on and create in your home? You can tell Anne's getting a little passionate. She wrote a chapter called Make Your Home a Haven, Chapter 8. It's the best chapter of the book, in my it's opinion, because she wrote it. And it's all about how she tried to create the Wilson home to be a home of joy. And you know why? That's who she is. She has a laugh that's contagious. That may not be who you are. You may have a different gift and uniqueness. Create your home is a magnet because whatever your identity is, that's going to draw your kids there because yeah. out there to get beat up, they're getting torn down. People are trying to build themselves up so they're tearing down your kids, right? They should be able to walk in their house. When the door opens, they step in the house. They should feel safe. They should feel seen. They should be celebrated. And by the way, the power of a parent's words, oh my goodness, are so critical in that moment. The words we say to our children at 5, 10, 15, 17, 18, even now at 30-year-olds, what we speak to them is very powerful. And you know this, the, 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 the uh, life and death is in the power of tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. We can speak life, build up, encourage. We can speak death, discourage, tear down. And I'm going to add this too. For those of you who are married, your marriage matters oh, yeah. to your kids. It'll be one of the greatest gifts that, that you give to your kids. So keep working on this. It's really easy when we're disappointed in each other to pour our life into our kids and not each other. And this really we matters. Are, we were at Disney World on Monday at Magic Kingdom. And I was walking by a dad of uh, maybe a 10-year-old. And I hear this dad say, talk about power words. <laughs> yeah. And you know the power words because you know things that were said to you as a kid that you still remember. Mm. Decades later. Many of them negative and even bad. But this dad says, I mean, he's right here walking by. He says to his kid, obviously he's frustrated with his kid. And at Disney World, every parent's frustrated <laughs> with their kid. But I hear him say, I'm going to put a for sale sign around your neck and sell you. And they walk by. I so wanted to go, sir, I was just on the Today Show. I'm an author. I'm big time. <laughs> yeah. That kid's going to be in counseling the rest of his life for that comment. No, I didn't say that. I was just like, oh, my god. I was with this mom of two teenage boys the other day, and she says to him, do you know what? The reason I drink every night is because of you. <laughs> like, oh we have to be so careful of our words. Yeah. Like our words can destroy or build up. And we have to be so careful with our spouse, what we say, and with our kids. Like our words are building things. Okay, here's the deal. We've got eight minutes left and we've only covered one word. So here we go. <laughs> Train and launch, L3 Warriors. Let's talk about launch real quick. Launch is just simply this. An arrow is not supposed to be in your bow all day. At some point, that's a pretty cool sound. You launch Is that your correct, kids. Craig? Is that how it sounds? Or if it's... Oh, no, he said it's oh, not. Oh, it's not even close. But it sounds good, hon. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you launch an arrow toward a bullseye. And I, I tell you what, sometimes as parents, we hold on way too long. You know, they're 25, they're 28, and we're still, it's like launch them off to the world. And so the launch word sort of gets into the teenage stage, which is the, the second, or actually the third stage we talked about in the book, is like when they become teenagers, what do they start to do? They start to launch themselves. They start to pull away from mom or dad or mom or dad, right? Yeah. Why? Because they're becoming adults. They should. That's normal. But what a lot of parents do when that happens is they either cling on real tight or, and both are bad, the other opposite reaction is, well, I guess I'm done. Well, and we don't pursue a relationship You with get them. your feelings so hurt with teenagers. I can remember when Cody, it was like, you know, you go through it with each one, but, you know, our kids would beg us, like, get under the covers, mom. Just lay down with me for a little while. When they were little boys. And so this one night, I'm just like automatically getting under the covers and just laying there talking for a little bit. And I lift up the blanket and Cody goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I go, 
I'm, I was just going to lay down and pray and talk to you. He goes, get out of here, Mom. And I walked into the hallway. I sat there, and I just cried. Because you know that's normal for them to, they need to pull away. It's normal for them to become independent. But it also feels hurtful for parents. And what we can do as parents is we think they don't want us. They don't need us. And so we stay away. And our kids, they may say some mean and hard things, but they want us to keep pursuing them. Go to their world, pursue them and who they are, and continue to use your words to lift them up because they're going through one of the most insecure times of their lives. And they need their parents to speak life and remind them of who they are and how God sees them. Yeah, it's a, it's a critical. We love the teenagers. It's did. a critical. Although I do. They were hard. Yeah. Let me share this part. Oh, too. okay. So. We, this is the early years of Kensington. We're having this huge like ice skating party and then a potluck inside. There are like 25 families, so many kids. And we all come inside to have this potluck and it's very quiet because somebody's about to get ready to pray. And suddenly I hear this, this food looks like crap. <laughs> and it's our son. Our son said this. All these moms have made all this food and he says it. <laughs> And I look at him, you know how, I mean, I, my face turned red as a parent. And I gave him the evil eye that only a mom can do, like, oh, you're so dead. <laughs> and I was so humiliated because what do you think as parents? We care about what others think of, of us. us. It's a reflection of us. And so then we're getting ready to go that night. And um, I, Cody didn't bring his shoes. He only had ice skates. So I said, hey, hey, hon, could you put... Cody on your back and just walk him out to the car. And again, it's quiet in the room. He goes, I have to do everything in this family. <laughs> and so he walks out. I am right behind him, like right on his heels. Like, oh, that is so disrespectful. And you were so rude. And so I'm whispering all this as people are going, you know, as we're going to the car, we get to the car and he's bending over and he's putting Cody in the car. Austin's already in his seatbelt. And I see this big snowbank right beside the car. And I just have this thought, and I just kind of lean in as CJ's on his, he's unbalanced. And I use my shoulder, and I just <laughs> nudge him, and he falls into this snowbank. And then I jump in the car, and I lock all the doors. <laughs> and so now he's banging on the windows. Right he's now. banging on the windows, like, Mom, let me in. Like, you don't deserve to come home with us. I actually came walking out right then. Yeah, I'm like, the pastor, what the pastor is comes. happening to our family? And then I start crying, and I'm like, I will never speak on parents. Ever, I will never do anything. And now you wrote about it, but yeah. here we are. Um, but I mean, those are the teenage stage. But here's the thing. And again, we don't have time. There's a whole section. Go read it. But it's like the the key to parenting teenagers, in our opinion, is relationship. Yes. So we put in there: pursue, pursue, pursue. Yeah, I know they're pulling away, and that's normal. They want you to drop them off a mile from school because <laughs> they don't want anybody to see you. That's okay. That's normal. They should be developing. Keep pursuing that relationship. Don't give up on that. The second thing we said in there is listen, listen, listen. Yeah. The number one complaint of teenagers about their parents, you know what it is, number one? They don't listen. And you know what? They're right. We don't. They and start listen, saying something, and we cut them off and tell them what they should be for thinking. Listen their heart. We said we've shared in the book some mistakes we made, and even talking to our adult kids, like they've shared some hard things. Oh. But one of the things they said was, I wish you would have been more concerned with my heart than my actions. Mm. And like, Oh, I was so, and why do we get so concerned about their actions? Because it creates fear of what could happen to them. And so then we start, we're on them all the time instead of saying, what's going on? 
Like, what's really happening and what are you feeling inside? And, and this relationship is so critical at this stage because you've heard the statement, we put it in the book, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Think about that statement. Rules without, if all they're getting from parents is rules, 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 there's no relationship. It doesn't guarantee rebellion, but, there's, but when there's a relationship and there's still rules, it's so much better and so much uh, it, it's so important for us to do. So we, we got to fly. But here, I want to make sure we cover this last part. Uh, train and launch. Some of you are like, what is an L3 warrior? Now, if you've been around Kensington very long, if, uh, if you're new, you don't know L3. If you're older or been here 10 or 15, 20 years, we used to have three core values at Kensington. We changed them a few years back. I still think these are incredible core values that we used to talk about here. We called it L3. Anybody know what they are? There's three words. Yeah, great. Yeah, some of you remember, love, love, lock, live. It was basically back in the early days, we looked at scripture and said, okay, when Jesus said what a disciple was, what was a disciple? What defines what a person is who's a true follower of Christ? And we thought there's a lot of things, but it sort of comes down to these three qualities. And the first L, and I mentioned it earlier, when Jesus was asked, which is the most important commandment? He said, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he added, and love your neighbors yourself. So we decided, man, the first first core you know, attribute of a true disciple of Christ is they love God and love others. That's the first L. So when we said, man, when our boys are men, we hope L3, they're an L3 warrior. Warrior means they understand that life isn't just a party. We are actually raising kids in the middle of a spiritual war. There's a spiritual battle for the minds and hearts and souls of our kids. Yeah. And we forget that as parents. So it's like we're in this battle. We want to raise not just people wake up every day and say, I want to be happy. We want to raise people who wake up every day and say, what is my mission today to advance the kingdom of God? So that was the warrior piece. But L3 was like, man, that's a goal we're shooting for. If there's anything I'd say take from our mission statement, this is a good one. That your kids would one day be men and women who love God and others. That's the most, and by the way, once you know that's your target as a parent, you step back and say, okay, what's the strategy or the aim to hit that bullseye? So what's that mean? If I'm going to help my kids love God and love their neighbor, they need to understand there's people that live beside us or live around us that they don't even like, mm. and God calls them to love. So as a parent, you're like, I need to get them around people that aren't like us. And have discussions about that. Create critical thinkers where you're talking about the world and what's happening. And how can we take the love of Jesus into the world and really see and love everybody? I mean, it's one of the reasons we went on mission trips with our teenage kids. Like, they said, I want to go. We're going. And they came back changed. Like, wow, I had no idea that we live in 1% of the world that nobody lives like us. They just, they just looked at life differently. And it's like, that was all based on, we want to help show them how to love others. So that was the first one. Second one, L is lock arms in community. We call it love God, lock arms. That means you can't do life in isolation. You have to do life in community. So we're hoping our, our boys, when they've been bed, would have other, other men in their life, that they'd be sharpening one another as they model, as they saw us model that. And, and by the way, you know that here at Kensington, this one hour, actually today, an hour and 15, this, <laughs> this time at church is not going to change your life. If you don't leave here and lock arms community with other people, that's why small groups, your life will not change. But when you're doing life with other people, other couples, other families, other men, other women, your life will change. And so we're hoping that our boys would become men that do that. And even as teenagers, we helped find mentors that would say the same thing that we did, but there are other people that are closer to their age. And then the last L was live open-handedly. It's a unique, uh, I think, distinctive Kensington value of we don't live life holding on 
to our life and our talents and our time and our, our money. We live life blessing others with what God has given us. Love God and others, lock arms in community, live open-handedly. We were hoping that when our boys became men, they would not hold on to everything, but they would lay down their life to bless the world. And so it's, I mean, Craig just talked about it when we talk about the offering, right? It's like we take our time and we say, all my time is not just for me. I want to give it away and help others. My talents and gifts and abilities, I don't want them just to be something that puffs me up. I want to give those away. My money, God says, think about this. God says, give me your money. And some of you go, yeah, I know, that's what he says. No, he says, give me one-tenth of your money. You keep nine, just give me one, and I will bless the world with that. And what do we do? What? That's ridiculous. Like, really? And so we want to raise kids that were like generous with their time, talent, and treasures to bless the world. We are not sitting here saying we accomplished that Mm. or we are perfect. That's why it's called No Perfect Parents. And trust me, we have had difficult, hard discussions with our adult sons about how, especially me, failed. And you will have those probably as well. The last chapter is our top five parenting mistakes, and there's some big ones. And we probably could have written the top 50 and, that and, we made. And let me add, because of that, I would just say to all of you, it's never too late to right. start over. Whether your kids are grown or out of the house, maybe they're young, there's never, it's always a good thing to go before your kids and to say, I'm really sorry. Hmm. I feel like I've blown it. or I, I just feel like I haven't been the parent at times that I've needed to be. And I need to walk with Jesus. And I want you to, for, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I want to be better at this. And it may, I'm, I'm telling you, it's never too late. Our adult kids still want relationship with us. And it matters to them. And I really think the greatest thing that we have ever done, the greatest thing that Dave has ever done, in my opinion, for parenting, is he has fasted every single Friday for 35 years for our kids, for our marriage, for their wives, for our grandkids. He's still doing it. I did it with some friends. And I'm telling you, God hears those prayers. Some of you have prodigals that you just are so fearful and your kids are suffering and they're, you're scared to death. And God hears your prayers. Every one of them, there's not one prayer that he hasn't heard. So continue to do that. I feel like we failed at so many things, but that, that is the thing I feel like that's made the biggest difference. Yeah, and, and, and you know, of all the things we said today, you can go home and do all this. You can get the book and try it. If you're not on your knees, yeah. please hear this. If you're not on your knees surrendering your life as a mom or as a dad, your marriage, your blended family, your divorced family, your singleness, whatever state you're in, if you're not on your knees saying, God, I can't do this without you, which you can't and we can't, that's the only thing I hope you go home and do is surrender yourself and your kids to him. That's all you can do. Surrender your husband, surrender your wife, surrender yourself. And again, I made that commitment 35 years ago when CJ was born, not knowing I would do it for 35, I'll do it the rest of my life. And every Friday, just begging God, just asking God to show up in our life and in their life and in our legacy. Because, you know, the last part of our mission statement, we don't get into it, is that our kids would make a dent where they're sent. You've heard me say that for decades here, (laughs) is that God strategically places all of us in places where he wants us to make an impact for the gospel, for the kingdom. And we're thinking, we're launching our legacy to the world. Three sons, 
now grandkids, and it's the way we can impact the world is through our legacy. And by the way, you know this, but I'll remind you, you are leaving a legacy. Mm. Every one of us, single, married, with kids, without kids, you are leaving a legacy. Something will live on after you're gone that is what you have left in this, on this planet. The question is, what? Mm. How intentional are you and I going to be about that legacy? We want to just pray for you. Mm. And uh, I know there's some of you that are just really struggling right now. I want to, would you, would all the parents and those of you who are trying to get pregnant, and I know that's hard too, so maybe you're, would you all stand and we want to pray for you and for your kids. First of all, these are the parents of Kensington. Way yeah. to go. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for these men and women and what they re represent as families uh, who could leave an impact, a legacy that can make a dent where they're sent. And Jesus, you, you said, Matthew 7, that we cannot build a home or a house on sand because when the storms come and they're coming, that house will fall with a great crash. But you said if we build our home on the rock of Jesus, when the winds come and the rain comes and the storms hit, that home will stand. Even though it's shaken, it will stand because it is built on the rock. And you said it isn't just hearing the word of God, it's doing the word of God. And I know as families and as parents, it's so easy to sit here and say amen and hear the word. It's another deal to walk out these doors and live and do the word, which we cannot do apart from you and your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon us with power as we surrender to make us the dads and the moms that you've called us to be, to raise up warriors to send to the, to the battle. And Father, I pray for the marriages represented here that you'd protect them and guard them. Lord, I pray for the single parents that you would continue to encourage them, to give them energy, that they have what they need, Lord, to give their kids and to the blended families. Lord, will you give them incredible wisdom too? Will you blend and bring those families together? And even the step-parents, Lord, they, these kids are under their roofs on purpose because you've assigned them to that. So we pray blessing over them. And God, we pray for transformation in our homes. Will you protect us from the evil one who's constantly bombarding our homes and our families? And we pray for the kids represented in this room, Jesus, that they will come to know you, that they will surrender their lives to you, that they will walk with you, and that they they will fulfill what you've called them to fulfill. Lord, let them hear your voice. Let us hear your voice and let us become the people that you've called us to be, Jesus. We can only do it by you and the power of your spirit. We thank you for this time and these people in Jesus' name. Oh, wait, wait, one more thing. And Lord, we pray for those that are get, they're trying to get pregnant. Father, I pray um, for for fertility issues, that they wouldn't be an issue, but these couples would get pregnant. And for the singles, God, will you bless them? Will you, will you totally bless and encourage the call on their lives right now as well? We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, stay standing. We're going to sing. In fact, the rest of you can stand. And I will say this. It's really interesting that in the Ten Commandments, God makes this statement. The sins of the Father, some of you know this, Exodus 20, will be carried on through the third and fourth generation of the family, which is a scary statement, isn't it? Like what I struggle with, 
my kids are going to struggle with. And let me tell you, that is so true. Mm. Yeah. Even in private, with nobody ever knows, your kids will struggle. But nobody knows this. The very next sentence, you know what he says? But those who love me and honor me, I will bless their children for a thousand generations. So think about that. God wants to bless through you. And the song we're going to sing right now, which many of you have heard the blessing, when I heard that phrase in this song, that God would put his favor on our family and our children and our children's children, I wept because I thought, God, that's what you've done and are doing to change the Wilson name from a name of divorce and adultery and alcohol from my mom and dad to a different legacy. That's what God wants to do in and through you. So sing this as a prayer.
hope that's the line that you'll go out with today, is that God is for you. Because I know for me in my own parenting, my wife and I, Nicole, we got three teenagers at home. And the more that I sit and rest in that reality that God is for me, the more I can be that to them. And we are, I was telling Dave earlier and Ann, like we are deep in the throes of teenageness right now where everything they were talking about, them pushing away and the temptation to pull back, like that's our world right now. And us, my wife and I just having to keep leaning back in because every day, it's like even recently, my daughters particularly, they can't stand any PDA. So the other day I was kissing my wife in the kitchen and, and my daughter goes, ugh, dad, it's so gross. And I had this thought, it just like came to me. So I say it to her all the time now. I go, what? She goes, I said, ew. And I go, hey, without the ew, there is no you. She like hates that. So she puts up with the kissing now because she hates hearing that. But that's like our whole challenge is they they totally want to just push us away and we keep leaning back in. So I would just say this. I am so, I know they're already out in the hall, but I am so thankful for Dave and Ann for their vulnerability, for their openness, for their love for Jesus, and for them being here with us this morning. So... If you want to have a minute with them and pick up a book before you leave and even get a signature, go out there. They're over on this end of the hall. Uh, You can spend some time out there. And let me just say this. If we run out of books again, Dave just whispered in my ear, uh, buy one on Amazon and we'll set up another time to have them back here. If you want to get a signature and can't have that today, they would love to do that. Don't forget tonight, if you want that deeper dive, 8.30, register online for Faith in the Family. It's going to be a night with them kind of deeper into the content. And uh, if you can, as you walk out the door, if we can rather uh, help you continue to navigate Kensington, get more plugged in, involved, answer any questions, uh, the hub is the place you're going to want to go before you leave. So thankful you're with us. Have a great Sunday and see you next week. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.